0: And welcome back to the Pin for Pin Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Acton and today I'm here with Coach Buendo of Judson University. Coach, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Thank you so much for
1: having me. Well, Coach, how did you get into the sport of bowling? Um, I got introduced to the sport of bowling at a very young age um, by my parents. Um, they just bowled league, and they took me there, and then I kind of got involved in youth leagues and um uh, kind of went on from there I really didn't get serious though till probably um towards the end of high school career and then went on to bowling college as well and then things kind of took off for me and talk about
0: that when did was there like a point or maybe like a turn where you felt like you know I think I'm really gonna pursue this and see how far I can go
1: um yeah probably sophomore going into junior year of college um my game had progressed um, to a point it, I don't even really know what happened. I, I started to get better coaching uh, made some some things happen to my game I got better um, and then uh, in would have been 1990 summer of 90 I made team USA so um, 99 so summer of 90 for the 91 team. so 91, 92, 93 I was on team USA. so I mean, That's when things just really took off and got, you know, world class coaching and world class mentoring and you name it, uh, life changing stuff.
0: Well, you mentioned you bowled in college and you're obviously a college coach. So, talk about your college experience because (laughs) I've seen that some coaches didn't bowl in college, but when they do bowl in college, they have like a unique outlook on it from being a player and now being a coach. So, just talk about. Your time in college and what
1: you can uh, use to translate over to coaching. Um, in terms of the college experience, um, it's really the camaraderie, the the fact that you get to go to battle with with a team and compete in a an individual sport once you step on the approach, but a team sport as well. And um, the memories that were created throughout my years. I went to Western Illinois University. Um, the, the memories that were created are what I really take the most. And that's really what I'm trying to create for my players now um, coming on to the Judson university squad um, is creating memories and mentoring them um, beyond way beyond what the lanes, um, you know, on the on lane stuff uh, lane, the lanes and the bowling is really just the platform um, to help them financially through college. And then as well as, all those team aspect situations that they're going to have to face when they get out in the real world and get a real job. Um, So for myself, it was a great experience. I had great, I had a great coach. I had great teammates. We were a smaller school. We waited, we made it to the nationals one year. Um, So, which was a blast obviously, but um, really the experience, I think with just the guys, really, that's what I remember. the, The practices every day, getting into the trenches with them, um, working on our games, trying to push ourselves and, um, continue to get better bowl tournaments all over the place. I mean, that's what you kind of did in college. You you know, you went to class, you, you, you got the grades and you bowled everything. So that was kind of my experience. It was, it's something, even when I look back knowing I probably could have gone to a bigger school, I wouldn't change anything, uh, in terms of my decision to go to Western. Plus I wasn't, like I said, I really didn't improve until I went from like sophomore to junior year. Um, so coming into college, I was probably 190 average, and by the time my junior year was coming around, I was probably like 215. Um, wow. and that was back that was back when scores were a little bit lower than they are today.
0: Right. Well, you talked about your decision to go to Western Illinois, but talk about your decision to get into coaching and then eventually talk about how you decided to come across judson
1: university so um judson being a christian university i'm a christian man that's really what led me to um to take on this role Uh, i had i live about three and a half miles from campus um and um I There was an opportunity that came. I had done a seminar, actually, a mental game seminar for the team, for the prior coaching staff, because um, they're from the area. And they had asked me if I'd come in and do a little seminar, and I did. Um, long story short, they moved on the next year, and the position became open. Um, I talked to my wife, and she gave me my the blessing to give it a shot. Um, and the biggest reason I took the role on was I felt like I was led to utilize the fort fortuitous career that I had had in terms of bowling and then combine that with my spirituality and bring that to Judson. Um, and Judson just happened to be, it all kind of worked out because at the time I was praying about how I can utilize my Christianity and my bowling background. And then this, <laughs> this position became available. And I was kind of like, it was knocking at the door or placed that at my doorstep a little bit. Um, and I took it and we're going to be going into year five and, um, it's, it's been fun. It's been very, it's been hard at times because I am part-time. So I have a full-time job during the day, um, which has nothing to do with, with bowling at all. Um, and then I do this part-time. So it, 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 does put some stresses on the family. It puts some stresses, but, um, you know, just have enough time in the day to really run the program but in the end, we've gotten it rolling pretty good now. I have some great assistant coaches, um, and um, we've had – yeah, so we're kind of rolling along well, and that's kind of how I came into the role. Um, as I said, I really – I'm really focusing on their growth as a person. Um, they're going to get better on the lanes just from being college bowling, just from bowling on those tough patterns, uh, being around, and obviously we go through – physical game, mental game, um, team chemistry stuff, team bonding stuff, you name it. But I mean, the bigger picture stuff, I want them to be prepared. I want them to be confident individuals when they go out there and try to get a job. Um, Problem solvers, um, you know, good listeners, good communicators, confident individuals that are going to be um, in high demand in the job market. That's so,
0: so interesting. And so you've been coaching now, like you said, almost for five seasons. So talk about your coaching philosophy, because maybe at the beginning you had some things in place, but now that you've been in it for a couple of years, has it changed or has it kind of just stayed the same? And then what is that philosophy
1: that you have? It's definitely evolved. Um, when, we, when I first took over, I just wanted the – the best talent i could find um and then i kind of f- figured we would work through whatever other things and and kind of just be at the beginning i kind of the focus was the talent side I, that's completely shifted now to a more balanced um collegiate player high school player um from character probably number one grades number one really because that can become a real headache when you when you have somebody who's super talented but can't make the grades and then they end up being ineligible. And it actually, it's just, it's a lot of work uh, on that end of things, which is fine. We're we're here to help people along the way, but grades are are number one characters right there. Um, And then down the line, um, listening skills, how attentive are they when we're talking to them in our meetings when we're recruiting them? Um, Are they positive people? Do they give off a positive vibe? um do they do they seem to be able to communicate well and then the bowling (laughs) um because we've at the end of the day in terms of college if you can get shot makers that have a good head and a good heart and have a passion for the sport you are going to be way ahead of the game because you're not we're bowling on very demanding patterns so if you don't have a mental game um it doesn't matter how well you throw the ball. I mean, you can have a million dollar arm and a five cent head, as they say. Um, And we don't want that. And and again, we have had some players that have struggled with studies and we work through that. Um, But in terms of the evolution, that's kind of what we're looking for. And we'll, we'll make them better bowlers. And like I said earlier, uh, shot making is a premium and spare shooting, especially on the lady side, because I handle both programs on the lady side. It almost turns into a little bit of a glorified spare shooting contest. So the girls probably average somewhere between 29 and 35% strike percentage. Um, and so that doesn't change very much, other than the top schools, say the top three or five schools will maybe have a higher percentage, but it's that spare shooting. It's what's happening in the frames you're not striking. And, um, you know, so it's completely evolved. <laughs> <laughs> to say the
0: least well when you're talking about all of the stuff about recruiting and then what you're looking for in a player I'm writing an article for bowling this month and when you listed all those things making grades you know being a good person and then bowling kind of being at the end that's exactly what I wrote because in these conversations I found that you know, like you said you can make them better on the lanes right you can teach them you know maybe how to lead a uh, lane graph maybe how to have a better spare shooting system but it's those intangible things that you got to work on that motivation to you know go the extra mile
1: in grades or be that good person that you can't really teach right exactly and and the other side too is this is a big adjustment from high school to college um for whatever reason i mean it, it It tends to be a little bit bigger adjustment these days, even for with COVID happening and everyone's stuck at home. And now all of a sudden people are eight hours away from home. They're trying to manage their time. They're trying to um, utilize their time properly because it's a completely different schedule than high school. So one of the things I do with my incoming freshmen, they're required to give me a time management sheet from 8 a.m. in the morning till 9 o'clock at night. I need them. I need them to tell me what they're going to be doing with their day. Um, This helps them with a plan of attack um, throughout their day, because as you know, you're going to have you could possibly have a class at 9 a.m. You may not have another class till one and then you might be off on Tuesday and then another class. I mean, it's all over the board. So if they're not utilizing those in between hours properly, they're going to get behind Um, and the first semester to first year is the most crucial year in terms of setting the tone for your gpa because it's like a bowling average if you start off slow it's harder to raise that average right. um you, if they get below and not only that but these tend to be a little bit obviously they're more core courses that aren't overly i wouldn't say obviously every class is challenging i won't say that but it's definitely not in they're going to be in their area of expertise yet so they need to get out ahead while the classes are the core classes that you're taking. Um, so uh, the main thing is that that time management sheet is their kind of their GPS to success in terms of what they need to be doing. And it's a little different at first because they haven't had to do that. I mean, they go to class one through nine periods, they know exactly what, it's not like that. And, and especially the people that are coming from distance Um, We got to get them off to the right start. We got to get them in with the right roommates. We got to make sure that they're utilizing their time properly and also make them feel like part of the family, which is what our team is. Um, So I get the upperclassmen involved, make sure they're hanging out together, doing things together, because at the end of the day, there's a lot of time on these college kids' hands to some degree. If if, If they're not utilizing it properly, there shouldn't be, but if they're hanging out or playing video games for two and three and four hours a day, uh, it's fine, but you better have your priorities straight in terms of getting the stuff you need to get done first. I'm all for having fun. I'm all for the college experience and hanging with your friends and going to a movie or whatever the place you know case may be. But that time management sheet is something I just actually implemented last year. And as I as I said earlier, the the evolution of what I need to be doing as a head coach, um, you know, because it's not only the players that need to get better; I need to get better. My coaching staff needs to get better so we're constantly reflecting on what we can do better we're constantly trying to evolve to what we can do better um so yeah that's kind of the long answer (laughs) hey Um,
0: i like getting as much information as possible because it gives great insight to what these college coaches in your program especially is doing but you talk about getting better like there's a lot of kids out there, high school age kids that listen to this podcast. So when you talk about getting better, talk about what a typical practice like is
1: for you. So usually because I am a part time coach, um, I actually send. I know this is I'm kind of a meticulous, I would say, is I guess is a good word, but. Typically, depending on what assistants are going to be at um, practice, I actually send out a agenda every single practice prior to practice. So because I can't be there right when it starts, we have some player led captain led starts, which is actually a good thing Uh, that gets them growth in that area in terms of leadership skills. Um, but I, I set it up. It, it could be a lot of, at, at the beginning of the season, we do a lot of videotaping. We obviously have tryouts first. We'll do a lot of one-on-one videotaping and start setting up some customized practice plans for people. Um, we also will do, um, obvi- the, the basic drills that most people do, uh, the one steps, the two-step drills, release drills. Um, we try to do some, um, we're working a lot more on alignment stuff. We're almost like a specto. Um, We don't have a spec though, but we, we do it with people's eyes as best we can, which is actually not a bad thing because then they can see, because obviously the bowler has a perception of what's going on. Say they're looking at 10 and they think, you know, they think they're hitting 10 and getting it to five down lane when they're actually hitting 13 and getting it to seven down lane. So in college break point is a massive factor. Um, So You could hit 13 at four different angles or 10 at four different angles. So it's down lane that matters the most. So we do a lot of what I would call what we call like team lining up communication drills where we'll just sit back and analyze a shot. And then the next bowler will bowl. Because the other thing we want to do is we just, a lot of times people get out of the pace of actual competition. So we're throwing and we're bowling and bowling and bowling and bowling and bowling. And And we don't do that when we compete. We bowl and then we sit. We bowl and then we sit. So we're, we're actually training ourselves in a different rhythm and cadence and flow if we go fast. So now granted, there's times where we're a little bit faster if we're shooting spares or maybe, um, whatever the case may be, but there's definitely time where we like to slow it down. We like to analyze what's going on because the other thing I've learned in these, in my experiences is as the practice progresses, the back 15 to 20 minutes of that practice is critical because people tend to start get a little bit tired because they are throwing a lot of shots and they start going back to bad habits or getting a little lazy or whatever the, you know, not being as attentive as they were at the beginning of practice. So now all everything you just worked on for 45 minutes to an hour and 15 minutes is going to get erased because of the last 15 to 20 minutes. So we're attentive to people's, how they're, maintaining that focus throughout practice so we've actually we've actually shortened the practices to an hour and a half instead of two hours because that back half hour just ended up being again depending on because sometimes being a smaller school we have some conflicts with practices so we may have people that are less there we people are throwing more shots so it's these more intricate detailed things that we've been working on Um, obviously we shoot a lot of spares but I haven't found any I haven't found the formula yet to actually raise that spare percentage other than mental because we, no matter how many spares we shoot, it doesn't seem like it's translating to in-game situations. So I don't know if it's because we have, sometimes we have full racks up there and we're shooting tens and sevens or I'm not sure. I haven't figured that out yet. Um, So, that's the other reason why we try to slow it down too um the spare shooting game is is strict in my opinion um especially when you get a, a decent player is strictly mental um we go we have we also have ed sessions where we sit in classrooms and we go over different things where we have our training i made a training binder um basically what it is it's uh, a lot of information that I've gathered throughout the year. So we have a training binder. So we go through our training binder in our ed sessions, which typically are on Mondays, and that could be anything. So we go over an entire session of spare shooting, um, the um, the margin of error that you have, um, cutting off lanes and different strategic um, ways to line up at spares. Um, the fact that you're you're going to be using a spare ball, uh, unless you can throw it dead straight, Um Like some, some of our guys can actually, there's a few ladies that probably could get away with it. Um, But so that's kind of what a practice looks like. We really try to keep it fresh. Um, As I tell my players, a shortstop is always going to take ground balls. So you're always going to shoot tens and sevens. You're always going to, you know, be working on footwork or working on releases and this, this and that. So just get used to it. And uh, in our sport, um, we have an extremely long season comparatively speaking to other sports, which I don't think people understand out out in the world. I mean we go from I, I literally just sent out a calendar today. We start the end of August and we could uh, you know go all the way to March for sure because we're I mean we've been fortunate enough to make sectionals every year so, Right. We go from August to March. Now, I don't know any other sports that actually compete. Now, their seasons might go that long, but I'm talking about competition seasons. It's grueling. So by the time February comes, you, I get into what I would call the dog days of practice, where you really got to dig in because you've thrown so many shots and done the same thing over, over, over. So, again, we try to keep it fresh. We try to come up with competitive games that um, will keep things fun as well, competitions. This year, we have such a a bigger roster. It's going to be real interesting.
0: And how are you going to manage that big roster? Because you see kind of with some of these bigger programs that once they get a lot of people, maybe the coaching goes down or kind of like the JV is kind of like on their own just because of how things are. So how are you going
1: to manage a bigger roster? Yeah, so we've got... I've got three other assistant coaches as well as a, um, administrative assistant, um, pl- a person that helps with say stats and all that stuff. Um, I just brought on a brand new silver level coach from the area. Uh, Kurt Roosh, he's going to head up our JV men's team. That's going to be his responsibility. Uh, Don Anderson heads up our, um, men's varsity team. I actually, do online coaching and competition for the ladies team. And then Craig Keith is the JV coach for the ladies team. So we are covered top to bottom. And the other thing that's unique a little bit about our program is I don't believe in locking in my eight guys or eight girls at the beginning of the season. We will have a tryout and usually the top four or so four or five. And it's not really hard to figure out. Uh, Most of the team knows uh, to be honest with you. If they're honest with themselves, they know um, some of the players that are going to be in there. But the last, safe because normally we have an eight-man roster or an eight-woman roster, those last four spots, three to four spots, are it's work your tail off because this week you might be on varsity and next week you might not. And that's not to not to be anything other than keeping them hungry, keeping them on their toes. Because if you lock in eight people and just because you had a tryout for a week and somebody had a good week. Um, and then all of a sudden, sudden somebody starts really improving. Heck, I just explained my story. Um, somebody really starts improving. I want, and again, I guess I could always change it anyway, but I just, I like to say something and then do it. So that's why they all know that, which keeps everybody kind of fresh. So we could have one week. We can have these eight guys bowling varsity the next week. We can have a comp- a different four at the back end. The other thing is too, Josh, is that if I have a sixth or seventh player that would be on my roster, but I know they probably won't get that much playing time or it may be limited. And I want them to get playing time. I may push them to the JV just to, so they're throwing every shot because no matter what I do in practice, you cannot regenerate competition. So it's much better for me to take that, player who's maybe on the verge of cutting into that starting lineup even and letting them go over on jV letting them be relaxed, letting them throw every shot because at the end of the day, every single tournament up until sectionals is a growth tournament. I want to win every tournament. Don't get me wrong. But more importantly, I want us to grow. So when we get to postseason, we have the most prepared team in terms of online competition play so that you don't know. Like I said earlier about grades first semester could be one team by the time second semester comes, you don't know, and you may have to plug somebody in. And if they're not prepared, now you're just starting to throw them out on the lanes you're behind. So that's kind of our philosophy on that. But I think, and from a coaching standpoint, even though we're going to have 18 guys, roughly, and about 16 girls, um, I think we're covered coaching wise, and they know what, uh, my coaches know what their responsibilities are. And, um, their experience they about. I'm two of the guys are older than me. I'm 52. And one of, uh, Don Anderson's 37. So the maturity factor there, we've all competed. Um, we've, Don's been coaching now. This will be year three for him, Craig year two, but he coached in high school and Kurt, Kurt coached in high school for 12 seasons. So I've got, a, I'm very, very excited about the coaching staff at this, at this moment.
0: Well, we talked about, you know, all the preparation, but talk about how your teams did this season.
1: Um, I th- we did really well. We started off really good on the women's side. Um, we won the Boilermaker Tournament. Our JV girls won two tournaments. Um, Chloe Sajinga on the ladies' side ended up being in the top 15 in the country of all players. Um, she was in the top ten rookies as well. She kind of led every category and broke basically every record we had on the women's side as a freshman. Um wow. so yeah, that was she's a special young lady. And we have so many ladies who have the potential. In terms of the the ladies themselves, we have a lot of great girls on this team. I mean, they're they're getting it. But we also had uh there were tournaments where the entire starting lineup were freshmen. So we're so young. Um we got a couple of really good players coming in this year as well and uh it's going to be very interesting on the ladies side but I overall we had a good season we finished in the we did make sectionals i think we finished in the top half which i didn't think was too bad considering again freshmen and sophomores basically all we had we had one senior that left um on the guys side we were in the same boat super because it was our fifth season as a program we had lost all that first year players so we were in that turnover year so, again, on the guy side, we had basically all freshmen and sophomores. We had um, our guys finished, I think it was sixth or seventh at sectionals. Um, so, it's not too bad. Pretty, I would say actually pretty good. It
0: yeah, uh, is pretty we good. Were
1: about, yeah, about 300 pins from making it to nationals, but over 64 games. That's not that many pins. Right. Um, so, we're very excited about what the future holds um, on, on both sides. We had one of our freshmen. Uh, From the single side came in 11th. Um, We had a bunch of records that we broke from a team game perspective. We shot a 1285 one game. I think it was 1280 or something like that. So the potential on that side of things is, is amazing. The other thing that's kind of an unfortunate, fortunate thing on our side, Lincoln college, um, unfortunately had to close their doors. Um, We, through the grace of God and um, ended up with four players from that school. Uh, one girl, Nina, Nina did the jingle and um, three guys, one of which is a top performer um, was in average over 200 last season. So in terms of the entire season, so it, we we're young, but now we just brought in some, some experience too. So he's going to be, an amazing addition, as well as the two other gentlemen, Brandon Beto and Avery Evans, both from Lincoln. Um, They're going to add so much to the team and they're excited to still be able to go to school together. Um, We just were able to connect. And that's really what I want to do. I want to connect with my players. They're not just, I care about them. They're like my sons and daughters. Um, And, and they get that and they can feel that. And that's why we were so fortunate this year. We ended up with, 17 recruits coming in. Wow. Um, which I don't even know what to say to that. Obviously four, four were from Lincoln. So that was a little bit of an unexpected. Um, but at the end of the day, it is what it is. So we, we've got a good group. Um, they're young. I'm really excited for what the future holds.
0: Well, Coach, I got a couple coaching questions for you. First sure. one being, let's say there's a buller out there with a 185 average on sport, his great spare shooter, great grades, nothing, all that, but he bowls with a conventional grip. How would you coach that player?
1: I think what I'd probably do with him or her, I I would really uh, collaborate with them. Um, I, Comfort to me and rhythm and flow is a huge factor for me. There are so many unique styles in bowling now. Um, you look at the two-handers, you look at all the different styles of two-handers, for that matter. That, and, um, I would look at it and what I would probably do is collaborate with them and slowly start to lengthen it a little bit. But I'd also see what their ball roll looks like. It wouldn't be a snap decision, be like, no, that's done. You can't use conventional because I think Jacob Buttriff uses conventional. I'm pretty sure he uses a conventional grip. And I would never tell him to go to anything else. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, and I think there's a few other guys who have used conventional um, throughout. And I know a lot of guys use super relaxed fingertips. Whereas it's because of the balls these days, you don't need you don't need that extra full fingertip grip anymore. To be honest with you, the, that shorter span allows for more versatility at the bottom of the, of, unless it's too short and you're only getting your fingertips in the ball, then that's one thing. But if, if you're, there's that shorter span allows your hand to do multiple things easier. And you're, it's like anything else. It's also easier to hang on to. So you're probably not squeezing the ball, which is another factor that we see a ton of. We end up putting, I have to like go through a roll of tape because all the most, a lot of the players end up with their thumbs are way too big and they're squeezing the ball and you put tape in and they still get out of it. And you put another piece in and they still get out of it. And then after about five pieces, they're finally, Oh my gosh. They're like coach. I go, yeah, I know. <laughs> Just work on it. I know it feels weird, but give it some time. You're squeezing the You're squeezing it like crazy. Um, so it wouldn't, And again, I, I'm very open-minded to uniqueness and, um, um, we don't try to, we really try to take what people, their God-given gifts and just add to that. Um, so I hope that answered your question, but yeah, it would be definitely a collaboration because on the other side of the coin too, that's what I like to do. Because if I'm just telling people what to do all the time, which I could do, they're not really learning or thinking for themselves. If I collaborate with them, get their ideas, not only does it allow them to think, which is what they're going to have to do when they get a real job or even through classes or anything else, but it, it's, it, it helps with their communication skills. It helps with their listening skills. um, And it also helps us bond player coach because now they can feel like they can come to me without being judged. Um, They can be a little bit more vulnerable and, At the end of the day, when you can be vulnerable with your teammates and when you feel like you can trust them and no matter what you do, you're not going to be judged, whether you throw a gutter ball, whether you miss a single pin, we're going to love you the same way regardless. You can start to play the game a lot better because it's going to relax your arm swing. It's just going to – you're going to want to be there. You're going to feel like part of a family and, you know, that you're supported and people have your back. And that's what we're trying to do. And, you know – it's going to, like I said, it's going to be very interesting over the next two, three years as these young, young players evolve. So hopefully that's, we'll see. I'd love to be able to get a conventional grip Jacob Buttriff on the team. Um, <laughs> uh, Jacob, if you're listening to that, he, him and I bowl tournaments together, so you'll get a kick out of that. But
0: Well, as we wind down your coach, I wanted to ask since, you know, it's junior gold kind of season and kind of kids trying to get better. What's your biggest advice to an athlete in the off-season?
1: In the off-season, keep an open mind. Keep an open mind is my biggest thing because I, for me, and the reason I say that is I went, I was in between the urethane and reactive era. So I was, I did a lot of my great bowling with urethane. Uh, black U dots, plastic balls. I won a gold medal in Singapore with a plastic ball. Um, so, you, what happened because of that is I got stuck in that era a little bit. I lost about five years of my own career because when reactive overtook urethane, I didn't buy into it enough to be able to adapt and to get, and to stay up in the times of what was going on because of the, the success that I had had almost ended up being my downfall because I kept saying, wait, this has been working all this time. And now it's not, um, and I'm not adapting. So an open mind is a huge thing. Um, being able to understand one step back to go three steps forward is always good. Um, also physical fitness is a huge factor as well. Um, Continue to be versatile. So, I mean, I'm throwing off a lot of things here. But I think an open mind, it kind of allows you to um, not limit yourself. Um, you think about the most versatile guys on tour, Chris Barnes, your Norm Dukes. These guys throw the ball many different ways. They just don't throw it one way. Um, so they can, and in our case, in, in, co- in college, a lot of our tournaments, you're only allowed five balls. Well, one of those is typically a spare ball. So you, now you have four balls. But if you have two releases, you actually have eight bowling balls. If you have three releases, you have 12. And we can go on and on and on or change speeds. And so, again, I guess the short answer, which I'm not giving you, <laughs> is <laughs> keep an open mind um, and, you know, try to be the best version of yourself is what I would go with too. uniqueness and 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 be you. And as we close
0: here, Coach, you have any shout-outs you want to give, maybe camps, clinics, things that you're going to be at or something people should know about Judson University?
1: Um, just that, yeah, I mean, in terms of shouting out, I just want to really thank my coaches and thank Judson as well as Storm. Uh, Storm has been a big um, backer for us. They've helped us. Um so that's a huge factor. Um, We do do some seminars in our our local area um, that people can come out and and enjoy kind of learning about the game. Um, I'm very much on the mental side of things, um, the psychological side, the spiritual side, all those things, so we do run some clinics, so keep an eye out for those. I really wanna give a shout out to the Lord too who gave me this opportunity and put it on my doorstep um, as well as my family. Um, because without my wife's support, uh, I wouldn't do this. Period. This is a team effort. Um, the day she says, uh, "Vinny, I want you to be home a little bit more, and so we can spend some time together, or travel, whatever the case may be," um, I I have to say goodbye to the to the position. But so far, she's been there for me. She's backed me up through it all, and it's been great. And I have a a young 13-year-old who's you know still involved in a lot of youth things that I sometimes miss because of this. and so shout out to him as well. And, um, yeah, I just, that's basically it. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. It's uh, there's all, so money. I'm so grateful and so, um, honored and privileged and humbled to be able to do what I do. So, and, and thank you, Josh, as well. <laughs> Cause I, it, it, your call and your email came out of the blue and it was, it was really cool to see. So thank you. I appreciate you acknowledging Judson. You're, Very welcome.
0: And that's all we have for this episode of the Pin for Pin podcast, so I'll leave you all with this. The levels of success are good, better, best. So never let it rest till you're better than the best. See you all next week.